0: We here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Uh, we are looking at a series called Increased Fruitfulness. And I don't know about you, but you know. This is the second last day of January already. Uh, maybe it's the longest month of the year. Some people call it January. Not um, January. And um, I don't uh, believe in that, even though there might be some challenges. But uh, you made it. You made your payday, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you haven't yet, so I'll be praying for you then too. But uh, it's also to, to know um, that we are in this year, that this year is full speed going ahead. But um, we're looking not at setting goals, not at um, defining success, if you will, but we're really looking at fruitfulness. And uh, the word really, like you don't find the word success in the Bible actually, but you find the word fruitfulness quite a bit. Um, And I think then it's something for us to look into. And um, really the first thing I want to share with you is increased fruitfulness is God's heart for you. Like God God gets glory if you bear much fruit. So now we need to redefine what is fruit. Now, the word says everything produces after its kind. So first thing, that fruit is people. And I think we think about fruit and we jump to Galatians 5 and we think fruit of the Spirit. And yes, that's true. But what you need to produce after your kind is more disciples, more believers. And that's really what fruitfulness is. So maybe what is your definition of success um, if it is discipleship orientated, then you're according to the Word. Because now you're producing after your kind. And I think that's why we as a ministry are currently serving in seven locations. Because we have a mindset of discipleship to produce after our kind. And that's why Jerusha and everyone else who does announcements stand here every week and say, Hey, this is an opportunity to become a part of. Or this is a great opportunity to come and meet people. Or to come and share with us. Or come and fry and putt pat and fish with us. Or come join a life group. Because we know that what we have works, because we've seen it work. And then I said it last week. I think when we say the word truth in the Bible, it's not truth, and I'm gonna I don't agree with you because my truth is stronger than your truth. When the word speaks about truth, even the psalmist says this is truth, meaning this works. I've tried it. I've tested it. It works. And that's really what we have. The method really is discipleship, because Jesus said, go out into all the world and make disciples, make apprentices. Of me. And we have spoken about that in our different groups as well of late. But while we are on, on, on groups, I want just the group leaders, if you can just quickly stand up. If you're a group leader uh, or an assistant leader, please just stand up quickly. I told you I'm going to do this, so uh, mm-hmm. don't be so surprised. <laughs> I just want everyone else to see if you're not in a group, why don't you go to these people and say, Hey, when are you meeting? Where are you meeting? How can I be a part of it? Because constantly we're looking to draw people into family, and like Paul said, on a Sunday often it's rushed, or you, you're just in and out, you don't know what's really happening, or, or you, you enjoy the service so much, you forget to ask, but these are the people, and there's more, they're not over here today, or in this service we've got an 11 o'clock Afrikaans service as well, um, but these are the people who really open their lives, open their homes, and this, this is my life group, so I always tell the group leaders, you're my life group, my Natasha's life group, so we need to know what's going on in your lives, and you need to then... Minister to the flock because you know Jesus said, "Make them sit down in groups." When he had to feed five thousand people, and then he gave to the disciples, and the disciples then gave to the people, and that's where the multiplication happened. So I'm not trying to be a superhero pastor. I need group leaders. I need people to help me, Natasha, and I need uh, other leaders to take the, the reins with us. And uh, these are the, the the group leaders. So you guys, my sit. Thank you so much for for being here and for being awesome for opening your homes and your lives and your your even your calendar. Uh, just to be fruitful and to be obedient. So, God's desire is fruitfulness. And uh, Colossians 1 verse 3 says, We give thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. I mean, that's beautiful. What is, the, what is that that they're hearing? Oh, you heard about Jesus and now you're living holy lives. You're living perfect lives. You're not doing sin anymore. No, you're loving each other. We're hearing about your love. We're hearing about this this love for you. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you have heard in the word of truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world. Now, this is amazing. There was a time when everyone heard the good news. Everyone in the world. Now, we're not there currently. That's why we're going in mission. And we have a church in Albania. And we're sending out people everywhere. We have a mission school. Because we want all the world to know. But look at the next part. It says, And is bringing forth fruit. So what is bringing forth fruit? Holy lives. No, the message. The message results in love. And then that love results in fruitfulness. So it's bringing forth fruit. And it is also among you, since the day you heard the news, the great grace of God in truth. So what a lot of people do is they have this journey of Holiness. Or journey of maturity. And yes, there's definitely a journey of maturity. But it says you've been bearing fruit since the day you've heard the message. I don't know about you. When did you hear the message and when are you wanting to start producing fruit? Let's start off on a high note, don't we? Because we have this mind saying I need to do this and then I need to do that. And I need to go to church more regularly and I need to do ministry school. and And then maybe one day. I'll bear fruit now in colossians paul writes to them and he's praising them because you've been bearing fruit guys since the day you heard the message and i think like henry said in his word this is the miracle it's church we all if we take now a, a geocode from where you live and we put it on a, on a on a screen here on google maps and we show you where everyone comes from if we go a step further and we say okay where were you born and we do the same we're going to have to zoom out quite a bit if we look at age if we look at ethnicity, if we look at background, if we look at what, go- what job you do, or where you are in life, whether you're married or not, etc., whether you have kids or not, this is the miracle. It's the unity, and that unity is found in the Spirit. And there's some messages that I've shared of late on the unity, which then brings fruitfulness. But the miracle really is that we have something in common, and that is Christ. And that is the Spirit of God. God's heart for us is fruitfulness. If you take one thing home today, take that. God's heart is for you to be fruitful. Amen? Not necessarily success as the world is defined it, but fruitful. John fifteen eight. if you don't believe me yet, the passion says, when your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. That's beautiful. You want to glorify God? Receive. Enjoy. Let it overflow. Let it move forward. I cannot help but share this one thing that I've read in the week about Jesus going into the desert or a deserted place. Going into a lonely place just after he got baptized. And we know that for 40 days he prayed and fasted and after 40 days uh, the serpent, the tempter, came and tempted him. And this writer of a book that I'm reading said he was always so like wondering what. It was like, God, there's no tipis, right Waiting for Jesus to be weak and hungry and feeble. And then he comes. But he says, no, it's actually the other way around. It is Jesus knew that it was coming. So he went away, led by the Spirit, to be with God, by himself, to gain that intimacy, to grow in the oneness, the union that he was with his Father. And from that place, it was the strongest place ever to confront the enemy. It's a different mindset, but I like it. We need to have our secret places. We need to have our mountain time. Ask the leaders. We spoke about it on Tuesday night. We need to have that until we get that overflow because we don't come to church to receive necessarily. If you're here to receive, you're welcome. But if I come to receive on a Sunday, then we have a problem, don't we? I remember the first Sunday after we've taken over from Shane and Magna, I arrive at the Dream Team meeting and I get into the circle and I'm ready to receive. And I look around and no one starts meeting. I realize, it's me. And I realize I can't arrive empty. I need to arrive full because now I'm needing to hear. And maybe you're like, that's daunting. That's too much. But it's about the mountain time. Jesus went up into the mountain, prayed all night. The next morning, he calls his disciples to him. That's beautiful. And now he's speaking to them and he's appointing twelve apostles. When we look at the life of Jesus, obviously, who wants the fruit of Jesus? I want the fruit of Jesus. Amen? We want the life of Jesus. You can do all things and greater things. Amen? But then we need to adapt to the lifestyle of Jesus. If you want to do the same thing, you need to do the same things. You need to have mountain time. You need to have security time. You need to have time with God. You need to put this thing down. Put it away. Out of reach. Put it off. Yeah, but my Bible is on it. Well, get another one. Amen? Now you would like, oh, I wish I said yes. Hendrick, yes, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go on. Colossians 1 verse 9 says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You see, the prayers of Paul are really amazing. He never prays that you would stop sinning. Never. He always pray that you would understand more of who you are, not become more. That you will grow not in who you are, but in your understanding of who you are. And last week's message was really, let me try and remember the title. It was the progressive realization of reality or revelation of your new nature reality. It is grading your understanding of who you've become, not of who you're becoming. You see, the new nature, the new birth happens so quickly. Sorry ladies, the new birth is much quicker than the natural birth, isn't it? It happened so quickly that you basically need the rest of your life to grow in the revelation of what happened in that moment. It says, verse 10, That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful, there you have it again, in every good work, and increasing, again, not in your holiness, but in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, For all patience and long-suffering with joy. Now, let me just move out here a bit. I feel cramped. I don't like it. Long-suffering. And no one said amen. But then he adds to that he ups the ante and he says, Long-suffering with joy. I don't know about you. That's not really possible, humanly speaking. Not even the winner of the convert smiles, really. Like, it's more like... (laughs) Because it's long-suffering, but where's the joy? But we know the fruit of the Spirit includes long-suffering and joy. So, God's heart for us is abundant fruitfulness. So now we need to define what that fruitfulness looks like. And if um, Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit, not of the flesh. Amen. Otherwise, we just make babies. Then we have lots of fruit. Well, that can be a problem. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So you see, the fruit of the Spirit really is what the Holy Spirit does with you so that you can live better relationally. You become a better person with other people so that people know you're God's disciples how by your love. So the fruit of the Spirit, the Passion says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, agape. Agape. And it is manifesting in joy, peace, long suffering, all these things. Which makes sense for me because God says that they will know that you're my disciples by your love. But how do you know I love you? I'm not talking about Valentine's Day, that's something else. When you're nasty with me and I'm not nasty back, when you're angry and I keep smiling. When we do marriage prep, we always speak about out-serve, out-love, out-give, expect nothing in return. That is love. But that is not natural. That is supernatural. So the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then what is going to happen if you are a better person? How to deal better with people? You're going to be a better disciple maker. You see, so the fruit of the Spirit really is relational. Because God is all about people. The fruit of the Spirit is not for you. Oh, sorry. The fruit of the Spirit is for those around you. If you're going to have long suffering with joy, then your wife is going to be happier. Amen? Because you know what in life things happen. So, Jordan is now 14 months in a bit and he's teething. Okay? So I think it's now 8 or 9 nights running that we're waking up anywhere between 1.45 and say 4, 3.30. Now the other night, it's, it's, it's been so regular now. My body clock is now waking up. So I think it was Wednesday night. I wake up at 3.30 a.m. And I'm like, I say, okay, because it's quiet. My body clock woke me before he did. Now I'm lying there. I don't really want to go have a look because then the chances of you waking him is, is very high. So, and I, 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 I lay there and I'm speaking to myself. I'm like, when he needs me, he'll, he'll let me know. He always does. And now I'm awake, but I'm tired. But you know that feeling where you're like, so I think, okay, the best I can do is I can pray for him. So I lie there in my bed, wanting to be asleep, not being asleep. And I'm like, okay, I'm best, make the best of this. And I start praying for him. Three sentences in, I hear him scream. Three sentences in. And I feel by myself, well, at least I'm awake, not being woken. You know, that it's, it's better. And I think by myself, if God could laugh, I think he would. <laughs> and not because, I mean, God didn't wake up Jordan, So, change that mindset. And then I think, but I think God just did laugh. But you know, it's that sympathy laugh. It's a beautiful laugh. It's not, ha-ha, okay, It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, my son. Like, I'm, like well, well done, but you need to go now. You need to get out of bed. Like, I mean, God's not going to get out of bed. Like, I have to. God's not in bed. And I realized in that moment that I have a deficient view of who my father is. Because my God sits in the heaven. And he laughs, according to Psalm two, verse four. The one who sits in heaven laughs. Now, sometimes he's laughing with you. Sometimes he's maybe laughing at you. But isn't that a beautiful picture? And 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 I'm busy in that moment, and I think by myself while I'm trying to put him to sleep. If I phone my dad now, my my father, my biological father, and I tell him this story, he's probably going to laugh. And I'm like, but that's God. God is a Father. And then I have this idea. We always have this idea about the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's this, this title. But then 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14 says that we have communion. We have fellowship. We have intimate friendship with Him. And no one has yet to call me the Peter today. Please don't. <laughs> don't even call me the pastor or pastor. Like, I'll just be the, But don't call me the. I think you you were there this morning, huh? Oh, no, sir. Sorry. No, we're just joking. Um, but we have this idea of the Holy Spirit that it is holier than thou, higher than thou, further than thou. But He's living in you. He's closer than the friend. And then I thought about the jolly spirit. And I thought, like, oh, some people would be offended. But... It is the Holy Spirit, but it's the jolly spirit. He really is the jolly spirit. He is the happy one. He is really so, so happy. Now, I had to go look at the word jolly, and it means to be happy and cheerful. To encourage someone in a friendly way or a party or celebration. I don't know about you, but that sounds to me like the Holy Spirit. He's the encourager, he's the one that's happy, he's friendly, and he is really cheerful. Because Psalm 2 verse 4, like we said, in the heavens, He sits and laughs. The Living Bible says, But God in heaven merely laughs. He is amused by all their puny plans. So sometimes we get so serious about the kingdom, and we should, the kingdom is serious business, but I think we get so serious that we become unlike God. Think about that, that's a bit of a truth bomb. We become so serious about the things of God, that we stop looking like God. And then we have the Batman movie and someone secular in that to say, why so serious? <laughs> you know, it's serious business, but it's family. If that challenges your thoughts about who God is, go to Luke 15 and read about the prodigal son. They didn't just kill the fatted calf because they were hungry. That's what you did at a bridal feast, a wedding. It's a party. The wine was done and finished and clothed. And what did Jesus do? Made more than enough. You see our religious boxes have put backward collars and we we gave God a backwards collar and we put Him in in a black attire and we put Him in a corner. You see, heaven doesn't have a confession booth. But I'm sure it has a dance floor. The jolly spirit and I hope that challenges you because it does challenge me. Now look at Romans fourteen seventeen. It says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Some of the translation says it's not rules, it's not traditions about eating and drinking. Okay? Let's not park there, but move on. But righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in whom? The Holy Ghost. The jolly spirit is not that foreign of a concept, is it? But the word in there, like if you, look at, if you do Bible study, you need to look at every word. Now, if you pick a verse or a, like this, John, uh, Romans 14, 17, if you want to study a word, probably the last word you want to study is the word in. But I went and I studied that word. You know what it means? It means to give yourself fully. So you want more joy. It's not about stirring up joy and tickling yourself. It is about giving yourself fully to the Holy Spirit, and I don't know about you if you've been in a place where joy just breaks out in a prayer service or under the presence of the Holy Spirit, and maybe you think it's weird. I did too, but it's those who are willing to give over fully that experience that The others who's like, "Yeah, nee, it is because weird. It is even It is he It is, for me. It is for me. You're not going to have it. I stood there and I'm like, they're praying and people are falling over. I'm like, actually, funny, You're not that funny? Because the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You decide how much of the Holy Spirit you experience. Like we said, you, you decide how good Sundays are, not me. You decide. Your expectation, your, um, will, will will breed to your revelation and what you receive. So there's joy where? In the Holy Spirit. The living Bible says, For after all, the important thing for us as Christians I love that. That what is the important thing? Let's focus on the important things. What are the important things? It is not what we eat or drink, but stirring up goodness and peace and joy from the Holy Spirit. You know the word in the Living Bible speaks about goodness, where the King James speaks about righteousness? Because the righteousness in that sense is not the righteousness that we get when we receive Christ. It is the goodness which we have amongst each other. It's relational righteousness. You can go study it out in the Greek. Because that is the fruit of the Spirit. It's relational righteousness. It's goodness, meekness, temperance, joy, long-suffering. You're becoming more likable. You're becoming more popular. If you want to. Who wants to be around happy people? I want to be around happy people. I want to be a happy person. Amen? I want to be calm. My revelation so far for this year, there's many, but one of them is calmness increases influence. Think about that in business. Think about that in family. When everyone is like, what's going And Who's gonna do what? And you just calm. After everyone doesn't know what to do, they're gonna to look to you and say, Well, but did Yokins to say like at work, when everyone is like flustering and this and that, like if you just calm, then you and, and I think that's what Jesus he, he, he oozed that that calmness because you know what? Happiness is not joy. Let's use Jordan again as an example. When he sees his milk bottle. I mean, those little two front teeth of these are shining brightly. And he just like hopping if he could. And it's not joy because it's fully the flesh. (laughs) Because as soon as he's hungry, that smile is disappearing again. But joy is irrespective of circumstances. It is a spiritual reality. Whether you're full or hungry, whether you're rich or poor, whether you are on top of the world in the natural or right at the bottom, joy is uncircumstantial. Joy is spiritual. Joy is not something that comes and goes. Joy is not a yo-yo. It is who God is. Because the Holy Spirit says this is the important thing. That we have joy from the Holy Spirit. The Passion Translation. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink. But it is the realm of the Holy Spirit. I love this one. The kingdom. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is where the Holy Spirit lives. We cannot split Holy Spirit from kingdom living. And we've done that for too long. You get into the kingdom and then maybe for some if you really want to get the Holy Spirit. And then really for some you overflow in ministry. The kingdom is the Holy Spirit. Being born again is receiving the Spirit. Because it's a spiritual birth. And if you have no idea what I'm saying now, there's three messages on SoundCloud. Please go and listen to it because I'm building on them. The kingdom is not a matter of rules about food and drink. But it is the realm of the Holy Spirit filled with righteousness, peace and joy. It's filled as you board, four courses, then you cannot add, you know, sometimes you just add on top, like when you do those buffets. But there's a, there's a place where you get to and you know, if I'm going to add more, it's going to spill over. Those little potatoes, they're usually the ones to, to roll off first, right? You know? <laughs> so guys, you put them at the bottom, okay? And then you put the salad and everything on top. And then also when you walk, it looks like you're healthy, but you call it good stuff underneath. <laughs> right? Who so said I'm not giving you good tips at church? No? <laughs> the kingdom of God is entered into by the Holy Spirit and not by observing feasts, rituals, and meals. We must be born of the Spirit in order to enter into God's kingdom realm. Think about that. Jesus says, "My." He says to Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world. Yet we want to make God's kingdom of this world. I'm going to excel in business. I'm going to excel in this. I'm, that's of this world. Sorry. Go do business, but bring the true kingdom, the spiritual kingdom, into business. And draw people out of the natural realm into the spiritual, because that is the kingdom of God. And you're not an heir of this world, you're an heir of that kingdom. We must be born of the Spirit in order to enter God's kingdom realm. To have the Holy Spirit, listen to this. To have the Holy Spirit is to have the realities of God's kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, stop waiting for something more. Start enjoying what you've got. I'm going to say it again. To have the Holy Spirit is to have the realities of the Kingdom of God. Okay, how do I get the Spirit? Get born again. That's it. Now, what is baptism in the Holy Spirit? I believe it's just an activation of we don't know what we've got, so let's tell them what we've got. And now some of us start praying in tongues. I've prayed in tongues by myself, in my room. So I didn't need anyone to lay hands on me and stir me up i was like yes. lord what is this thangest thing i see it in the word and i don't know and i don't know where it comes from and when i see it in church it doesn't make me feel at peace and the next moment i'm praying and i'm like as if the holy spirit says to me listen to yourself i'm like yes i know i'm ranting he says no not that he says, you're not praying and i can't english anymore you are praying in a heavenly language i didn't get the holy spirit in that moment but i realized what i had Gotten before, and that was activated in me, and I haven't stopped since. You know, when I simplify things, I believe I'm doing my job. Teaching is not to confuse, preaching is to simplify, to make things happen. Because we have the Colossian church bearing fruit from the day they heard. So they had to hear what? A simple message. If it's overcomplicated, then we cannot bear fruit from the start. But it is get from born from God, born from the Spirit, have then you have everything. You have what Jesus had. Woo! Sorry. And yes, like depending on which side you are. You have what Jesus had. Some will say, Oh, no more excuses. And I will say, Yes, let's go. But there's a maturity, there's a working it out, there's communion, there's fellowship, there's hey, how do you do this? How do you do this? I prayed for people like Chan said the other day. I haven't raised someone from the dead, but I've tried. I've I've been next to him a few times and we've tried, and we're going to keep on trying because we haven't seen that what Jesus has seen yet. But we don't need more Holy Spirit. We just need to know who we are better, and then we'll see it happen. Because we are heirs of a kingdom, and that kingdom is the Spirit. Listen to verse 18 from the, the Living Bible. If you let Christ be Lord in these affairs, God will be glad, and so will others. So, what we think is we need to please God. And that's not what that verse says. The verse says God is glad. God is happy. God is joyful. So let Christ be Christ because then you're giving glory to God's plan. You're falling in line with His flow and He's going to be happy because He wants to be happy. He wants to be full of joy. He is the Spirit of joy. In this way, aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Again, the fruit of the Spirit is for harmony. Joy is godly. You want to be more like God? Tell your face. Now, what I'm not telling you is these are the five steps to smile. To smile more. No, what I'm saying is when we realize what we've got and we realize that it's from a different realm, that it's a spiritual thing, then before we know it, people are going to say, hey, you look different. You look lighter. You look happier. What's up? And then the word says, be ready with an answer when they ask you for the hope that's in you. Everyone is complaining, everyone's worried, everyone's this, everyone's that. Why not you? Oh, let me tell you. I've got the joy. I've been anointed. Oh, you're one of those, yes, let me tell you. I'm so happy I can't I can't help it. <laughs> but you're not worried about this or that. Like, no, because I have a father. And he's given me his spirit and he's invited me into his kingdom. Psalm 45, 7 says, You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. All your garments are scented with myrrh and aloes and cassia, out of ivory palaces by which they have made you glad. Your aroma, if you will, in the Old Testament was linked to your emotion. So myrrh was a, was a sign of happiness. That's why perfume, ladies, makes you smile. Or you used to. But baby, you're so rushed these days and you just spray and run. Take a moment and just enjoy the aroma. God gave you scent. He gave you that happiness and that joy to enjoy that moment. I love the Afrikaans there. The oil of gladness, the Afrikaans, is vreugde willy. Just like that. You can go check it out. <laughs> huh? You don't need to, you don't need the, the strongs or the, you don't need a lexicon for that. You just know what it means. There's a prophecy about Jesus and saying that you've been anointed with what? The oil of holiness? No. The oil of righteousness? No. The oil of never sinning? No. The oil of gladness. I don't know what your church background is, but I was 10 years old. And I won't say where I was, but I was in church. Hey, church. And we walked out of that church, and I said to my dad, 10 years old, I said, Dad, why is no one smiling in church? A 10 year old boy, I knew something was wrong because my God is a God of joy. It shook my dad so much that he changed. We left that church and went church. What is our testimony? Who's asking that today? And I'm not putting a heavy on you because, again, we're not going to walk out here and remind ourselves to smile more. That's not it. Jordan smiles every time he sees a bottle and that's not, that's not lasting. It is to realize that God is happy. God is happy in His essence, His love. Have you seen a bride on a wedding day? In love. And usually that love comes with what? A massive smile. I remember the day of my wedding. My cheeks were sore from smiling so much. God is love. God is happy. God is glad. And guess what? you made in His image and likeness. Cheerfulness, gladness, joy. The ERV says you love what is right and hate what is wrong. So God, your God, chose you to be king. It's a prophecy about Jesus. Giving you more joy and honor than anyone like you. Now we know we live after that, so we have it all. Peter, but that's Old Testament. Anointing stuff and oil and I like this. Okay, let's go to Hebrews 1. You have loved righteousness, verse 9, and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. You see how the Bible is in this plan. You cannot get away from the oil of You cannot split the two. Because Psalm 45 is a prophecy and now the writer of Hebrews links to that prophecy and now he's going to show you the fulfillment of that in Christ. Again, you can check out the Afrikaans. Gladness. So in Hebrew the word gladness in Psalm 45 is cheerfulness, gladness, joy, and rejoicing. And then we have the luxury, because it's in the New Testament, to look at the Greek. And the Greek then is exaltation and extreme joy. Just when you thought like it's like a political smile, you know that that wave, that royal wave. That's not it. (laughs) It is extreme joy. It is exaltation. It is like winning the World Cup stuff. It is like Max Verstappen on the last lap of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. (laughs) Except that you don't worry if they're going to take it away from you once you go over the checkered flag. Because this is lasting. This is what we've got. We've got the joy of gladness. It is Jesus. And it speaks about the ceremony of His anointing. It uses as an emblem the divine power and majesty. What is it you What is the emblem? What is the message? What is it that Jesus carries that the Bible wants to convey to us this morning? In His royalty? In His majesty? In His power? What is it? What personifies? What is the be, 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 like It's a, what a school of fish? What is that word that brings all of who Jesus is basically together? And you guess what? One of them is joy. It's joy. Jesus is joyful. He is happy. Yes, he cried, and yes, he did powerful things, and yes, he sweated blood, but in his very essence, he was anointed with the oil of gladness. It is interesting to note that the Son of God's majesty, his divine power, is linked to that very anointing, the oil of gladness. Now actually it shouldn't surprise us because we all know Nehemiah 8 verse 10. That says, then He said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet. And someone said, Amen. And send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be you sorry. The word sorry there is not excusing. It is, um, it is, don't be downtrodden. Don't be sulky. For the joy of the Lord is what? Your strength. Amen. What is the word strength? For me, the word strength is also speaking about Power. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, go and wait on the, on the mountain was what? You're going to receive power. You're going to receive spiritual power. You're going to receive anointing. You're going to receive what? The oil of gladness. You've been now anointed like Christ was with that strength. And it's not your joy. And that's the beauty of it. And that's where we can say, thank you, Jesus. This is not a pressure message. This is me tapping into who Jesus is. The fact that He is happy. That He is full of joy. And I now get to be like Him because He is my source. And now His joy, like the word there says, becomes my strength. How beautiful is that? It's no pressure. it's It's no heavy on you. Because it is His joy. The joy of the Lord becomes what? Your strength. So what you walk away with today... Please, and this is my prayer, is that you would realize that God is joyful. And it's not that His face changes when He sees you. You know, some people are like so happy and then you walk in like, that's the end of it. That's not that. <laughs> Joy exceeds when He sees you. Like the Father, he was the Son was coming towards Him in Luke 15, but the Father ran, fell on His neck. Very interesting word. And kissed him. The word kissing there is the continuous tense. It means he kissed, 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 him. And how do we know that? Because he wanted to confess. He had the speech prepared. And he was kissed so much that he couldn't get a confession out. Because kingdom of God doesn't have a confession booth. It has a dance floor. The word fell there is the same word that we have in the Acts when they said when Peter spoke and he preached the message, the Holy Spirit fell. It's the word kiss. It is on the house. The father didn't fall on him, tripped and like he had his head on his knees. No, he you allowed to laugh. <laughs> That's fine. We're we like to be happy people. Come on. I know it's COVID and it's twenty twenty two and it's January January, but who cares? We've got the spirit of joy. We've got the will of gladness. We need to be happy people. When the Holy Spirit fell, it was the umhelson, it was the kiss of the Father. And today He is still kissing, kissing, kissing you. Adam and Jordan, I mean, he gets so many kisses every day from me. And sometimes he's just like... But you know, other times he wakes up and he says... <laughs> or he sees Natasha and he kiss and then he wants to come in with <laughs> you know Sometimes it's a bit wet. It's not so nice, but... I can't tell him that. <laughs> sometimes you come in for a kiss with God and, and you're not all clean and you're not all happy and it's not Sunday and you don't maybe win blockies and like it doesn't matter please wear blockies every Sunday I wish I could <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should lead by example <laughs> last week I really wished I we were wear blockies <laughs> but we want to be so prim and proper with well. and I think like he's sitting there like you're missing out on who I am and when we miss out on experiencing who He is, then we, we have the risk of misrepresenting who He is to a world that is looking for dopamine shots around nothing corner, which is happiness, it's not joy. And what we have is the real thing. What we have is spiritual. And what we have is His joy becoming our strength. Isaiah 61. This is the last verse for the day. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. What is upon me? It's the Spirit. What are you speaking about? The Holy Spirit. Because the Lord has anointed me with what? The oil of gladness. The Holy Spirit. To preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give beauty for ashes. And look at this. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That is the fix for depression. That they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. The oil of joy isn't just for Jesus; it is for all of us, because the Holy Spirit was what poured out on the day of Pentecost, and He is not climbing back into some job. He is poured out. And like Mary poured out the perfume on Jesus' feet. And the whole room was filled with the aroma. When the Holy Spirit is poured out, the Word now says, In Him we live, we move, we have our meaning. The whole world is filled with the aroma of God. But guess what? We get to say, I don't want to just be filled. I want to be Anointed. I want to receive. I want to be poured in so much that I can start pouring. I want to be the one that just fills the room. And guess what? The lady was Jeremiah, where he came to the the, uh, the widow woman. And she said, I have nothing to give you. And he said, no, what you have, give me. And maybe you feel like that today. I don't have much to give. How can I be happy? I don't deserve it. Or I've messed up so many times. You know, what you have, give me. What you have usually is just yourself. I stood on the beach, nothing, no money, there was no offering bag. I just had myself, and that's what I'm saved. I said, Lord, what I have is me, and I'm giving up. I'm like, I'm done. And I stood there with water to sleep, and guess what? I cried. There was tears of joy, because I felt the touch, that presence, the experience of the love of and in my most down and out state, I felt that love. And you see that joy is, is deep. It's not laughing and a It is an inner peace. It is a washing. It is an anointing. It is as if you are lubricated on the inside. And everything that was missing and broken and dirty, the Holy Spirit just washes through you in that sense. It brings comfort. It brings joy a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You can go and look at this and you'll find it so many places. And when did the widow women's... When did the oil stop flowing? When the, all the jars were full. If there were more jars, I mean, God's not limited. There's enough Holy Spirit for all of us. That's the point. As many as are wanting to receive, He will fill. Amen. And the beauty is He fills... In, in that picture, every job isn't just like we well, you. Yeah. Okay, we need to you know when when the Coke bottle is almost there and everyone is thirsty and you put all the glasses and you just the biki 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 and then you put them like next to each other that'll be fair. If you're a parent then you, you say, Okay, you pour and you choose and then you know it's gonna be like <laughs> it's gonna be there. The Holy Spirit doesn't He fills you completely. He fills you until it overflows. Because the word says, Out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of joy. The oil of joy is for all of us. For those with the spirit of heaviness, there's a garment of praise. For those who mourn, there's the oil of joy. For those who mourn, there is consolation. For those in ashes, God wants to give you beauty. So that... We may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Why? The verse says it clearly, that He may be glorified. You want to give more glory to God? Receive, enjoy, and live by the Spirit, the anointing, the oil of joy. And people will see, well, this is not natural. This must be good. I know who you used to be. I know what you looked like. I know how you walked. Not in this, in this campus, but when we led a previous campus in Durbanville, I could literally, there was a lady, she came in she was wearing just black. And the Holy Spirit said to me, watch that. Like, I mean, sometimes I wear black. There's nothing wrong with it, but you could see that was her personified. And after three weeks, I think, she was wearing a gray scarf. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> And then she started wearing a grey shirt with a black jersey. Literally, you could see the transformation. But it wasn't just in her clothing. It wasn't the way she carried herself. The way she looked at you. The way she entered the door. Not that more things happened. She didn't become more, but she realized more of who she was. I think the spirit of joy was bu- 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 was bubbling up on the inside of her. Because Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Fan into flame. Stir up again. And that's what I want us all to do. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.